Greetings, wizards and warlocks, to a special one-off, never-to-be-repeated episode of In the Abyss. <laughs> We're talking prog, overly long songs about everything from astral planes to maniacal eroticism. Uh, we all know that prog's largely a load of nonsense, so I guess, you know, the only option was to bring in a couple of experts. Um, from The Grudge, who are most definitely not a prog band, um, friend and regular contributor to the podcast, Wolfman himself, Kieran Aston, and for the first Hi. time, um, five string bass motherfucker Lee Davidson as well. Hello, <clears throat> gentlemen, welcome to well, the astral plane. Ooh, off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sure. th- this this was always coming, we had to do it at some point. Yeah, I know, but what, why, why, what I need you to look at is, is, is the mother of all snacks. Okay, that this is an Arancino. Wow, okay. that, that just looks like a massive samosa. <laughs> it's a rice it's a rice but this is actually a pyrancina because it's shaped like a pyramid i think they're trying to tap into the egyptian death metal market oh, but, but um it's it's a it's a rice ball stuffed with ragu and cheese i'm not I'm sure intrigued. not quite sure what to make of that what's it sorry what was it called again arancino arancino right my neighbor's italian so i'm going to ask her for some <laughs> carbs on carbs on carbs basically yeah. so uh anyway really good prog rock so why are we talking? Why the fuck are we wasting two hours of our week talking about prog rock? Well, no, it was your, it was no, your idea, wasn't it? I mean, well, it, 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 it was, it was my well. idea, but it was just a ruse to get Wolfman back on the podcast. I think. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, but yeah, Lee, welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast, and hopefully this won't be your last, but it might be. Depends how uh, how <laughs> painful this gets. <laughs> Long time listener, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, there you go. Isn't it. Um, all right, so you know, going with with prog rock in in its nature, um, this could be a load of nonsense. It could go off on all sorts of different tangents. Going off on one, um, some of you out there might be aware of a prog band called The Tangent and a DVD called Going Off on One. <laughs> if you're not, go and check it out. It, it's it's worth it. Um, but <laughs> should we start with where it all started and who is to blame? for giving us prog rock in the first place because someone needs to be punished for it. You know, I mean, I'll start things off. I I will say some of the 70s prog rock stuff I'm a fan of. I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, like a bit of King Crimson, stuff like that. But that's kind of where it ends for me. So, you know, I'll kind of open up to the floor, really. Who's got any ideas where this shit came from in the first place? I think the obvious obvious ones, obviously, is Yes, Jeff Rotol, uh, Genesis. Yeah, I think it, it goes back even before them. <laughs> I think one of the first ones was uh, Iron Butterfly. Um, I can't remember which album yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, it was In a Garda Davida. In, in a Garda Davida. Yeah. 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 It's like about 18 minutes, just prog rumpus. And, they uh, they again, started playing it in 67, and I think they're still playing it, aren't they? Um, yeah. And also the Beatles. <laughs> Everything yeah, goes back to the Beatles. But I mean, it's 67, they released Sgt. Pepper and it's acclaimed to be one of the first, um, well, not prog albums, but one of the first concept albums, which is bizarre because it's not actually a concept album. It's got about two or three songs which actually intertwine. Or I mean, it's got the you know, the opening track, which calls on the second, um, supposedly this fabled band doing this um, 
sort of carnival show, uh, and that's only ever repeated at the end with the reprisal. And John Lennon himself has said, look, none of the songs that I wrote and put forward to the, the album have got anything to do with the concept that's supposedly there. But the commercial success of it and people's perceptions of it being a concept album just led the way to um, labels actually putting some money forward for bands to do that sort of thing. It seems to me that the late 60s, you know, is when it, when it all changed for a lot of things. Obviously, we know about the origin of metal full stop, but there was a lot of drugs, a lot of acid, and all the <laughs> blokes with guitars just said, why limit ourselves? Exactly. They were tripping heavily. <laughs> So are we saying that psychedelic drugs are partly to blame? Yes, I think they're they're mostly to blame, blame, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just reading on our sort of communal notes that we've got between us. Um, there's, there's a mention in here of Bohemian Rhapsody as well. So obviously we did an episode on Queen a while back and how criminally overrated they are. But where does Bohemian Rhapsody sit in this then? Because obviously, you know, what we know as prog rock, it does have a, a flavour, let's say. Yeah, I think it's the the length of the song. It's it sort of proved that along a of a uh, sorry along a song of of a certain length or like you know anything past sort of five minutes is because actually a, you know a tangible thing and actually like you know possible or, or you know and I think that that obviously propelled a lot of power metal bands and other bands to sort of just push the envelope more and more and more. Yeah, but what about um? I don't think it's just the length. It's like oh. the ability to, to to go like Bohemian Rhapsody, if you didn't know anything about that song, you wouldn't expect it to take the turns that it does. Yeah. I think that's progressive. That's an aspect of prog rock. But it's yeah. also, and I think this is what turns a lot of people off about yeah. prog rock or prog metal. It's it's so meta sometimes. It's like they're like, okay, we need to change tempo here. We need to change key. So it's like, so yeah, I think there's a lot of that key changes, tempo changes, time changes. But at the same time as well, I think what characterises a lot of prog progressive bands is you've not just got to have the imagination and the, the foresight to be able to do it. You've got, to have to, you've got to be able to know music, how music works, and have the technical ability to pull it off. Because shit, shitly played prog rock is the worst. Excuse me, it's the worst type of prog rock, or worst type of music. Yeah. It's like rock's version of jazz, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there was a certain point, especially in the early 70s, before before like a more concrete album and, and concept got pulled together where it was more a case of look okay everyone have their own solos and and branch off into this that and the other yes are a, a big example of that they all seem to have their own little solo time much as you would if like you know we're in some kind of avant-garde jazz band so so jazz odyssey it, basically yeah exactly. it seems to me i think that the fundamental basis of prog is is just not being bound by a standard song structure um yeah. from 20 yeah from 21st century music song structures as well i mean i'm not talking just pop i'm talking early 20 20th century um song structures so you know a song it doesn't matter how whether it's three minutes or even 10 minutes long it's almost like it's in different chapters before that like you know rock and roll etc they all had their sort of set measures the, the 12 bar blues and it had to run this sort of way and it was very hard to expand upon the boundaries of that. I think people just got bored with it and pissed off with it. They started yeah, just experimenting, branching outside of that and seeing what you could do with music without yeah. the confines. And like you say, it doesn't have to be a long song. I mean, Pink Floyd were one of the best. 
Mm. You know, and they could write a, a two minute song, which wasn't standard and sounded completely different to everyone else. Or if the song needed to be 25 minutes, then it was. Yeah. Does a I song mean, ever think... need to be 25 minutes? Yes, Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm my case for that. <laughs> I think I think something with with the classical influence, like someone like well, a band like Yes, with someone like Rick Wakeman in the band is going to have a massive influence. Like I mean, he's classically drained uh, a pianist. Some I think the and the, the Chris Squire as well. Like the, like he's like a massive like compositionally like Jeep. Like he was. He was, God bless him. That was a you know compositional genius in a lot of regards for everything. Yeah, I think there's there, I mean, probably jumping the gun here, but it was, you know, obviously everything that happened after that was uh people trying to sort of expand the prog, like you know, make things longer, make things more elaborate, and just um potentially, you know, just made it turn well, that's, that's the thing with prog. There's, there's, there's no filter, there's no one to tell them, okay, yeah. stop. I mean, any genre, there's thousands of bands uh, and the bulk of them are shit. <laughs> You're always going to have these amazing ones that come forward and there's always a ton of other people trying to ride on the coattails of it because it was popular. Yeah. Yeah. Then obviously you get the, um, you get the, the bands that then get signed up by labels because they sound like the bands that have made it. I mean, you know, new metal was probably one of the, the biggest. You know, just, just signing every third rate band that came along after the big boys kind of thing. So, but obviously the prog bands in the seventies, they, you know, they were massive Pink Floyd, King Crimson, Jethro Tull. Yes. Genesis. Th these bands were huge. So it's, it's a different world to where would, we would are. Jethro Tull that big? Oh god, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they would be. Yeah. I mean, you know. I have never been I've never really listened to Jethro Tull. All I know is they once won. Yeah, I, I just I just Grammys. So this song I just find deeply disturbing and offensive about a band named after a piece of farming machinery. Like <laughs> I just but that well, that's is, prog that rock. Is, that's prog rock, isn't it? It's it's that level of nonsense that that no other form of music can hold a candle to. I mean, like I, I've I've never seen the, the 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 fuss with Genesis. I'm sorry, I just I'm with you. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I you know what? Well, so. It wasn't the name that offended me. It was the flute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. <sighs> no, if one of your main instruments is something my kid's going to bring home and torture me with, <laughs> it's like it's like something like. Jethro told like the kind of rock equivalent of the Pied Piper of Hamlet. I just that's whenever I hear them or see them or, or see the, the 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 flute, I just think he's going to dance through Hamlet, you know, leading rats away, and then he's going to kidnap all the kids. And and this is the thing about the yeah. Pied Piper: of Hamlet. no one knows what happened to those kids once they were in that cave. <laughs> no one knows to this day, and it's just open to speculation. Maybe they were just in there crafting more flutes to be distributed to other prog rock bands. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the kids that did the backing vocals on Another Brick in the Wall. That's where yeah, they it's were. quite likely. You know. But uh, let's talk about Pink Floyd for a minute because they're the, the one prog rock band that I'm a big fan of and, and know a little bit about. Um, but they obviously went off on sort of various different tangents when you know Roger Waters disappeared up his own ass and things like that. We won't talk about the final cut. But obviously the wall was this huge rock opus thing that, you know, got carried away. But my favourite era of Pink Floyd was stuff like metal. It's, it's Adam Hartmother and I'm a gummer. It's, 
it's all of those. They were at their most interesting then. And jumping the gun a little bit to the current day, what bothers me about modern prog is the fact it's boring, but we'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. But you know, I've said this before. If you ever go to Pompeii and you go to the ruins, as you go in the old main gate, there's the amphitheater where um, Pink Floyd did their set at Pompeii. Yeah, yeah, and they've got right. the Pompeii, they've got the Pink Floyd Pompeii exhibition. And you just, it's like Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore being interviewed. And then, like, listen, Woodstock was about music, but this, this is about themes. And that, I think, is sums it up. You know, it's it's not just about music. It's about themes, concepts. The, the prog rock quotes. The abstract. Prog rock quotes. Yeah, that's another word. Abstract. That's another one. But where did it go from there? Because obviously you go into the 80s and obviously Rush went a little bit, went a little bit almost poppy, didn't they? They, they kind of dropped when, you know, around the sort of eras of Spirit of Radio and that kind of stuff. And then obviously going into the 80s, you've got the likes of Queensryche and Face Warning and all that kind of thing. So it it started to to morph. It was There was less flute. The, the prog metal started to kick well, I think in. I think one of the things that prog rock gave us, to its credit, was punk. Because yeah. not musically, but, you know, it, it, punk and... Um, some so new wave of British heavy metal was a reaction to um, prog rock because it's like we don't want to sit in a field for four hours doing acid and like watching Jesus build the pyramids like we want to get up and move around we don't want to listen to a song that lasts for 15 fucking minutes so and then like the musicians that came along like like the Ramones or Black Sabbath or Judas Priest or the you know the Dead Kennedys or whatever they're like I don't want to have to have a PhD in music to be able to write a fucking song. So let's keep it three or four minutes long, you know, high energy. The fans are moving. We're moving. You don't, you know, you, we don't need five key changes in a song because at, at some point, you know, you, you've, the, I think the, the problem with the prog bands is that they're always, when, when, is, when is enough enough? Mm. Like they've always got to go to the next level. Like they've always got to, well, well, we didn't do enough, we didn't do enough weird shit in that last album. Let, let's take it even further. And then you're just moving away from being mm. like a, just a rock band to some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of artistic commune where, you know, it's not just about the music. It's about the, the presentation, the themes, the, the, the concepts, the, the light show, you know, and then, and then, you know, you, what do you get? You get things like, uh, I know he's not necessarily prog, but, uh, Jean-Gel Majar playing on a fucking floating concert in Canary Wharf. You know, it's just, it, 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 they've always got to like, up, out, you know, upstage each other and do each other. Is it Mike Holfield was the same, wasn't it? He was all, all very elaborate sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I was, you know what I would say actually, it, when it's, when enough is enough in a prog song, when a song, when it has part three in the title, you know, they need to shut the fuck up, really. I mean, because they probably if they haven't said if they haven't said it in part one or part two, you know. What what, what we, prog rock reminds me of is uh, Ulysses by James Joyce. It's it's the musical equivalent of that book. You know, it's it's at times it's incoherent. You don't know where it's going. 
you you know it's like they, they wrote the sheet music and they just tossed it up in the air it landed on the floor and they just picked it up ruffled it back together and oh yeah, yeah let's just play it like this but that's that's where it changed for me going into the 80s because it, it was a le- it was a lot less song based in the 70s and you go into the 80s and these bands that just talked about queens like faint fates worn and that sort of thing it was it became more song based yes you had concept albums and, and all of that but the songs were a lot more clear five six minute long songs yeah. you know you you had that kind of thing obviously dream theater came along ruined that but <laughs> it, it, it seemed to be less experimental i think probably it was the it was the hair there was obviously the hair metal influence and maybe restrictions by the by the record company as well it was probably by the it was probably to do with the musical climate at the time they probably went, yeah, you can't, you got to shave a couple of minutes off that or do, you know, there's, you know, I think as well, one of the other bits where it's sort of, I would say the contributing facts to, you've got the Shred era as well, the Shrapnel guys in the 80s, that had a bit of an impact on, I think with the hair, so if you saw it along with the time, so you had the hair metal, then the Shrap, I think it was from 83, when you got Inve and you got Shrap, and then obviously Satriani and Vine, everybody like that, with that influence as well, that pushed it, and then that then it got even crazy, you know, it got then it got crazier, and then you obviously had yeah, Dream Theater and people like that just yeah taking it further and further. Well, I don't know whether they took it further and further or not. No. I mean, you know, that's, that's that's a loose term, but so let's take Operation Mindcrime for instance. You know, that was huge. Queen's Reich and, and it's it's full of hooks, it's full of catchy songs. Yes, it's a concept album, but it it fits with Wolfman, like you're saying, the, the hair metal and the cock rock in the 80s. It fits with that vibe as well, doesn't it? So they they obviously struck gold with that. Yeah. And it's sold by the bucket load because of it. So yeah. how did they get it so right then? What what they, made you know restraint, really? I think <laughs> many things. Because if I, I mean I I um I've been listening to a lot of Queen's Reich over the past couple of weeks actually and all their songs are just like it's the right amount for the solo the right amount for, like everything is perfectly you know beautifully com- you know compositions like perfect you can tell they've really worked it and just like you know there's no like you know where, where they need to trim the fat they did you know there's like, i yeah. think there's there's a, that you know there's there's a difference between artistic freedom and then just you know faff or just like you know you have to self-indulgence yeah 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 it's yeah. just it's just all it just needs to be you need a clear vision and just like and, and something that's engaging you know you can, i mean you can have a tw- um, you can have a long solo and be engaging but you you know but it has to be engaging nonetheless like otherwise it's yeah, it's just it's just whittle yeah i think they were very lucky i mean they came in at a time when recording techniques had really come along leaps and bounds as well and a lot of their music is actually, as well as the hair metal side and, and the hooks on there, there's a lot of thrash in there as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they come along sort of in the mid 80s where thrash was growing in the scene. Obviously, the hair bands were there, the recording techniques were there, yet they still took a lot of influence from the 70s uh, and the sort of song structures. They didn't adhere to the other song structures that were going along with the, the more you know cheesy hair metal bands. So they, they sort of sounded different to everything at the time, while sounding familiar enough for people of the thrash scene or the cheese scene to to grow into. There's 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 definite, I think, prog 
accents to like Justice for All. Oh, oh yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I mean, to deliver to that is is a prog track. I mean, the pick the guitar intro, the classical influences, the fact that it's the only got thing. like that. What, that, that thinking about Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son is a program. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and I mean, they toyed with it before, you know, Rhyme on the Ancient Mariner and things like that. But yeah. And then you've got uh, Megadeth and Rust in Peace. And there's so many elements of prog in that. Voice of Reason, have you um, touched on prog metal in your sort of journey through the years yet? Only this week, really. I was going to sort of do it a bit later, but I thought I'd um, start touching upon it originally. So, yeah, um Operation Mindcrime I have listened to recently. Not not much, but can certainly see the comments made. I think uh, there's an element of prog to Crimson Glory, first two albums. It's a bit power, a bit prog. Um, and I think they deserve a little bit more um, attention. I'm trying to think. I think, oh yeah, I listened to King's X debut, this Out of a Silent Planet, which is an interesting one because I think they're thought of as prog, but it's very it's very hard rock. But again, you've got a different approach to rock than what was going on at the time. But there's there's a big influence on grunge there, I think. Yeah, I, I must admit, I've never I've never really listened to a great deal of Kings. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's 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 a key factor is that unpredictability, isn't it? Um, they're not sound. You're not sounding like everything that's going on around you, unless of course they're other. They're also doing prog. Obviously, Fate's Warning as well, you add in there. Yeah. Um, you know, Awaken the Guardian is a is regarded as a bit of a prog metal classic, one of the first ones. Yeah, it all came to a head in sort of 88, 89, because like you say, you've got Justice, Seventh Son, Operation Mind Crime, um, King's X. I think, yeah, Fate's Warning was that sort of time as well. And of course, the early Dream Theater stuff. So yeah, 88, 89 seemed to be... Yeah, I, I would say probably the, the not, necessarily, not, not necessarily the golden age of prog metal, but certainly the... It's like a key time, isn't it? Yeah. You know. I think it's where, it's where metal was having to step out and try a few, few new things out, out of the thrash and the heavy and stuff like that, because the extreme stuff wasn't for a lot of people. So how do they push it? That's a fair point. I mean, I mean the, 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 metal the, the, becoming the, stale. The, the idea of, you know, if, if you look at anything in life, this idea of like progressive and, it, and then it just gets out of hand. There's actually, um, and it, it was big in the 80s, there's, there's, there's an entire teaching methodology called Suggestopedia, where you have a Suggestopedia lounge and students literally lie down on couches and you have like, almost like, meditative music playing in the background and you go around and you literally suggest things to them thinking that that's how they're going to acquire the language and then you'll laugh at this it gets worse someone came along and was like well it's not progressive enough now we need de-suggestive media and that 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 is is exactly i think the kind of progressive it, it, it kind of contaminates anything it touches it just turns it into complete it, it like it's a fad it has a, it has a the, the the tendency to always be like well what's next what's what's the ne what's over the next hill it, it turns things into fads eighties culture was across yeah. across all forms of pop culture fashion whatever it may be was always people trying to outdo the person who came before them it's not just in music was it that's what the eighties was all about it was bigger better more colourful you know but 
who did it first? Who did prog metal first? I'm going to say King Crimson. And I'll tell you why. I'm sorry, but I know, I know we talk about the origin of metal and Black Sabbath in 1970, and I'm certainly not going to argue that. I'm very strong with that. But you can't listen to a track like um, 21st Century Schizoid Man and tell me that's not metal. You listen to the no, structure of it, the sound, the vibe, the darkness, the solo approach. That, that's a metal track to me before metal like, really took hold. Unlike Black Sabbath, I mean, Fripp actually embraces the term heavy metal. He, he classes um, King Crimson as a heavy metal band. I mean, to the point that they threw out a violinist once and he was quoted with saying, well, what need is there for a violin in heavy metal? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he fully embraced the fact that they are seen as heavy metal. I mean, people say that <clears throat> prog metal itself didn't come about until Queensryche and sort of mid-80s. But no, I I'm tend to agree with you, and I think King Crimson had it and they certainly had the attitude for it. I mean, maybe certainly not that, I mean, that whole album, it's a, it's a good album, but the rest of it is prog rock and whimsical and weird and indulgent but yeah i mean that that opening track it's it's legendary i mean entombed have covered it and it just fits um but if you listen to the mid 70s stuff like the red album that's dark and that's heavy um and yeah i think they, they were metal without being intentionally metal um for me so i that's kind of where i think but i don't it didn't take hold till the 80s till, till i think they had to bands had to outgrow what they were doing and push things a bit it was clearly a dark time for prog in 75 because that's when um <clears throat> pink floyd came out with animals as well animals, which is yeah. my yeah. best on a fucking long long street and it's the darkest most heaviest of their albums and uh, to me it's just beautiful yeah i, I I'm, I'm fully with you that is that that like i said that sort of early early to mid 70s era pink floyd is, is sort of faultless and it sort of culminated with animals i, I don't think the wall can even come close to it, you know. It's obviously what everybody thinks about Pink Floyd, but yeah, Animals is is a stunning piece of work. It's um, yeah, it's, it's prog done right. But you say King Crimson then, but where where do Rush stand in all this? Because Rush had a fair bit more distortion than that, and we're, we're a bit more chunky, I suppose, is for what's a better word. Where do they stand? I think in the middle. Suitably <laughs> no, Canadian. Yeah, you listen to twenty one twelve, and yeah, the, the that the first side, the twenty minute track is you can make a claim is metal, but the second half, the second second side of the album is is not, and I think that was the case with a lot of their work. They touched on it, uh, but they're far more prog rock than metal. So many metal bands talk about Rush as a massive influence, don't they? A yeah. lot of the Swedish bands definitely do. Um, the likes of Michael Stanner from Dark Tranquility, Peter Ewers from um, from In Flames has got a restaurant named Twenty One Twelve. I know it's bloody shut when I went there. Ah, oh, see, you know, but... <laughs> that's what I get. That's what I get for going on midsummer, though. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to go to Scandinavia, you need to go in the winter when it's dark. Yeah, isn't it? What about Fate's Warning? Does anyone know a great deal about Fate's Warning? They're a band that often get forgotten about. Yeah, not really. I've been. I. The first time I saw Dream Theater at the forum in, I think it was night. Oh, all right. 
I think it was like 97, 98, I think it was. Um, but they were supporting. And um, I remember on Headbangers Ball, um, there was a song called Monuments, which was really cool. Or Monument, I think. But they, they were, yeah, it was always... The music I've heard of theirs is it's very um, in the vein of what you'd imagine prog rock to be in terms of structure and sort of sound and solos and stuff. But they were just very... I don't want to say middle of the road, but they get like they're, they're very so, at a very soft approach. I would Kept say. it a bit safe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, nothing, nothing that stands out really. There was there was a band actually that's uh, that's very obscure. Which is called Damn the Machine as well. They're a proggy sort of band. And that was it. Was the band that Chris Poland from Me um, Megadeth was in for a, for a while as well. But yeah, I think with, with with bands like it's like the Galactic Cowboys and all those sort of bands, they sort of bubbled under. They were sort of they got cult status and they've, you know, but they never, yeah, they've they never got that that next step up, I think. Sons of Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't we blow these guys off the stage a few weeks ago? <laughs> oh yeah. Is yeah. this thing working? <laughs> <laughs> To um, our younger to our younger audience, we are referencing referencing the movie um Airheads. Yeah, which is what 94. It's a little bit after its time, really. It should have come out a couple of years earlier, but yeah, but it's quite that's actually quite a topical film to bring up considering this week, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we love we love Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Lad. Going into the late 80s, then obviously Grunge came along, and like Padre said, it got a similar kind of what the fuck are you eating now? <laughs> that does look good. That is a, does look good. Jesus Christ. Um, grunge probably had a similar... Well, grunge had that similar effect on, on metal that punk probably did with prog in the, in the 70s. So, Wolfman, you just mentioned Galactic Cowboys. They're a band that probably crossed over a little bit into grunge. Yeah, and there yeah. was a bit of a grungy sound to them. Yeah. I've always, always had a soft spot for, for Galactic Cowboys. They, they just... They've just albums were full of great songs, certainly the first yeah. couple. So they're quite progressive in attitude because they just didn't care where their music went, they, they just took it wherever. Yeah, there's so many different styles coming from each album, it's just they're a fantastic band. Uh, very yeah. underrated. I don't they ever they never really got the, the recognition they should have had. No, Probably they, came along just at the wrong time, you know. So, um, are any of their so talking of that, are any of their albums concept albums? I'm not, I'm not sure whether they are or not. I don't think so. Because there's this whole thing with concept albums and, and prog rock and prog metal that, you know, we, we haven't really touched a great deal on concept albums on this podcast as a whole. Um, Lee, I think you, you, you've got a bit more knowledge of what is a concept album and what is not. And, you know, so what are the, what are the best ones? Are, are, are some of the ones that we think are concept albums, are they not concept albums and vice versa? What, what's, what's it all about? What's the point? What makes up concept is, I, love, I love a concept album, but I rarely ever get the concept. I have to read the concept, and then I'm even going, is it? <laughs> but I mean, well, I mean, it started with obviously Pink Floyd Animals for me. What I liked about Pink Floyd and their concepts is they just had a vague concept. It's like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon is, is about stresses in life. So each song is a different stress absolutely fine you get that i mean your money and the great gig in the sky like death uh, and then you had animals and each different animal was based on a person or style of person that's beautiful 
then you've got Mastodon. <laughs> and they bring out Crack the Sky. <laughs> and I'm reading this concept and just thinking, so it's about a guy who falls into a coma, has an astral projection, then meets up with some Russian seance dudes who pull him back, and then he gets transported into the body of Rasputin, who goes to battle and then dies. And then you've got the two souls who mingle. And, what? <laughs> Yeah, that's, fu- that's fucking prog rock. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of my favourite albums of all time, but yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they're, they're great. I mean, obviously they did Leviathan as well. That's a fantastic concept. Um, Rivers of Nihil, the work. Iron Maiden, Seventh Son. I mean, there's so many cool concept albums out. Oh, Devon Townsend as well with his Ziltoids. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure whether concept albums is the right term for Ziltoid, is it? To be honest, <laughs> oh, it's got to be surely. Well, spent, like the whole ones, uh, the first. Well, no, actually, both of them. They've got narrations all the way through it, telling true. you exactly what's going on in the story, which I like. A Mastodon should definitely have taken a leaf out. Something we touched on on this actually when we we're talking about concept albums before. Do concept albums have to tell a story? No, as we're saying with Pink Floyd's. Um, I mean, you just need a theme really, and then you could just have all the songs relating back to that thing. So definitely not, although not many people do that. They do tend to go on the story route, even if it's the most convoluted story ever, just to jam all these songs that they've been writing recently. But aren't, aren't the best concept albums, like, relatable? Like, you can relate to Pink Floyd's, like, Animals yeah. is more stresses in life, but can you really relate to someone on a natural projection being reincarnated in the body of Rasputin? I mean, it's like... <laughs> Not really, yeah. It's a bit, bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's only happened to me once. <laughs> but it's something that sticks with you, and it does. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't even know that the, the concept of that album went off on that. I, I don't know. I, I can't even sort of get my head around that, to be perfectly honest with you. But I've never really seen Mastodon as a, as a prog band. I, I know that I know they generally are considered a prog band but i don't know they got their prog moments but obviously some of their stuff is just straight up sort of just riff based metal isn't it so they kind of go both ways they twist, yeah. they, they twist and turn a lot yeah and that's yeah that's the thing they don't limit themselves that's um, why i like most i think because i think if you're going to call yourself a prog metal band then you're kind of killing the whole progressive element of it in the first place because you feel like you've said before Padre about how you feel you have to outdo yourself every time and make it progger every time and we haven't you know explored this avenue and that avenue whereas having progressive elements and sort of living to the not having you know uh, abolishment of musical rules it is much better whereas you could be masked on you could be in a progressive mood and, and come out with you know an album like Lazar uh, sorry Crack the Sky uh, and then the next minute, you're just like, you know what? We, we've just got a bunch of songs we've written that don't really fit anything like that. We'll bring it out as the hunter. And there's no limit to that. And there's nothing holding them back because of that. And then they've got their fans from both elements. You've got the more proggy fans like myself, Kieran, or whatever, who are drawn in. And then you've got the more you know, standard, rockier fans who are drawn into the hunter and, and Leviathan albums like that. Yeah, I mean, Remission is one of my all-time favourite albums, let alone favourite Mastodon albums, you know. it's. But then there's there's one or two other prog-ish albums that, that are in that top ten as well, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of come to that in a little bit. Um, you know, I do dabble with it more than, than I may suggest. Um, 
So just going back to the nineties, then um, let's 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 do it. Let's let's talk about the the fucking elephant in the room and Dream Theater. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go make a cup of tea, and I'll I'll, I'll be back soon. Right. Look, the early Dream Theater stuff. Wolfman, when we first met, um, the, the sort of stuff that I first listened to through you, uh, Awake, Images and Words, that era of, of Dream Theater, yeah, it had something about it. But it was around about the time we met, I think it was when Metropolis came out, wasn't it? Yes. That's when it all went to shit. Yes. Yes. Jordan fucking Rudess. That's what it Ruined is. it all. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they went, I think, right, actually, I was just thinking about this a couple of minutes ago was, I think where the failings of a prog metal band goes wrong is there. I think they they've got an ex because they're te- they're that technically talent. Their technique is at such a high level, and they have to maintain it. And there's a probably a lot of pressure from I would say the fan base to be you know be better, be you know do everything and just ex- I, they just I think at that point because this was I think between. Change of Seasons, Falling to Infinity. Now, Falling to Infinity is a, an album that they nearly, they actually nearly broke up d- during the making of that. Because oh, they, they, they had Desmond Childs, I think, wrote a song on it. Kevin Shirley, I think, was quite, I think he's quite, he can be quite a brutal, honest producer. And I think they had the, they had the record label sort of pulling them in different directions. And I think then near Metropolis Part Two, after that and i think that was where they turned around and said right well we're self-producing we're doing exactly everything we know we're just doing everything our way fuck you which worked to a certain extent but i think as the years have progressed obviously portnoy has left and i yeah you could get i could talk for that about oh well, I've, I've certainly talked about it way too many times i'm out drinking with you guys but with regards to with dream um yeah that it, that's, I think it is a band that's lost its way. And I think it's, you need a mediator. You need someone like a, a good, strong producer in there. Like someone like, you know, Stephen Wilson's a prime example because he's one of my all time favorite artists. I think up, he's up there with Vive for me personally. But he's a, because he's the, more like a map, a bit more like Devin Townsend. And like he, he's the conductor of everything and he oversees everything. And like he's got a, you know, he's got a filter and like he doesn't like let any bullshit sort of float by you know um what was my point i've gone i've gone you've gone off on a tangent <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone prog i've gone prog <laughs> shit no, that's it. sorry um but sorry what yeah so I'll, I'll go back to my main point so uh yeah it yeah dream fit is one of those but i mean i've i i i love that band to death i generally do and um but yeah, you just just restraint every now and again is good, you know, and just make sure it's and be and be very self-critical. Well, over not, you know, just you just need to look at it, listen to it, and be self-critical and go, is that good, or is that just a load of old gump from just churning out all the like, all the prog guy, all the prog metal guys, or hardcore fans will love, you know. You got to push yourself. And I think too, that goes, that goes for all bands. Yeah, in it, it's it's and that's that's. The one time that you persuaded us to go and see them um, was Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, wasn't it? Which it was. was wonderful. They played it in full. Tremendous. Um, but it was just, 
it oh, was just a display of musicianship. Yeah, just as a point of reference, Six Degrees of Villain Turbulence is a 40-minute song. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I think that well, I mean, I don't know how you lived with it. I mean, that's like, I would have moved out. <laughs> I would have just said, like, or I would have just been like, right, so you made us sit through. How, how long was the concert? A good uh, three, three hours. hours. Right, yeah. okay. So, <laughs> therefore, then he has to do, and how many of you went? So it's me, you, John. Three of us, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Andy, did you go? No, I saw him with Opeth a few right, years. So oh, you, 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 you and John, you and John live with uh, Kieran, Kieran, right, Wolfman, and it's it's it, let's say it's a three and a half hour set, conservatively, because it could have got it could have been four. You never know. You probably lost track of time, <laughs> uh, which is probably the concept they were going for. Um, <laughs> so. That's at least seven hours. I, I would have said, okay, that you now owe us seven hours of fucking laundry, washing up, hoovering the fucking carpet, oh. get the shaking back out, do it properly, clean the fucking skirting boards, you know, bleach the fucking toilet. And then, you know, and, 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 and you know, just that's that's the punishment. I think that would have been fitting. Like, you, been- robbed us of, you robbed us of three and a half hours of our life. Yeah. Right now, go and clean the toilet after I've had that dodgy well, kebab. Well, I mean, I think it would have been torture for them more so because I couldn't cook at that point. <laughs> no I, no I, one's asking you to cook. Yeah, were you talking clean. about? Yeah, you made you, tea. Clean. You made cups of tea for years. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was my one skill. I remember when you were on a fucking. I was. I was getting phone calls <laughs> when I was in Cardiff. Wolfman's on the fucking binge with the with the reconstituted chicken burgers. <laughs> That's all I could afford. It was like it was like a Iceland had like a deal. Like it was you know like, what? You know, I, 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 my heart bleeds for you. No one fucking forced you to go to university in London. Just get over it. You know, oh, middle class oh, tuition fees, London rent. Right Fuck off. <laughs> Should we get back on go topic? Go to university in an affordable part of the country. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. But you got to remember that that prog is is traditionally a middle class type of music isn't it so you know you, you've got to follow the path yeah what the fuck was i listening to it for <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I, honestly when i first when i first went to a dream theater concert i didn't actually feel i didn't feel welcome or fit in at all i literally just like stood there on my own just like like queuing up like i just they, they, they were very hostile people that i that, really? yeah or they, or they, they had the little clicks like they, they were like, you know, if I, I went there, on my, like it, you couldn't, like, you try and like insert yourself into all like with a, you know, have a chat with people. They weren't having it. There's a lot of virgins in that room. Yeah, there were. <laughs> <laughs> and funny you say that. Um, I'm gonna quote. I'm gonna quote uh, our good friend uh, Bean. We we're having a discussion about prog, and more so modern prog. But he, to quote him, he said, "Prog doesn't have enough loin." <laughs> when you think, when you think about what, when you think about what rock and heavy metal is, it's got attitude and it's got balls and it's you know it's it's thrust in your genitalia and all that kind of stuff. Whereas prog is just, it's it's the nerdy virgin of heavy metal, and I think he's got a point. And you two yeah, know think- better than I do, so it's. <laughs> Well, I mean, the heavy use of keyboards and inappropriate like sound patches—that's always ruins it. It's like actually going back to um, 
six degrees within a turbulence. There's a song called Solitary, Solitary Shell, which is like an acoustic poppy ballad sort of thing, which, are, oh, it's not too bad. And then the panpipe effect on the keyboard comes in. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> shit. I never got so angry in all my life. I, and, and you know what? That album, that six degrees of interpretation, that cost me 30 fucking pounds at the time. <laughs> Around the time we had to buy CDs, it was 30 quid and then fucking pan pipes coming halfway through. I should have got, actually gone back to the shop and got my money back. Yeah, it's like, it's like you both protest a little too, too much. Oh, like, I, I, love mean, it. I love it and like, hate it all the like, oh, just getting, oh, you know, fucking... Why don't you get a gold saucer to like catch your tears? It's like, who fucking gives a shit? Oh, it was it was thirty quid. It was three hours long. I, what what, are, what is this? Some kind of like fucking therapy session? Oh, uh, uh, I was I was raised to appreciate tangents. Oh, no. Fuck off! Enough. <laughs> Stop. Okay. You. It's like no one put a gun to your head and said you've got to spend thirty quid on a CD. No one put a gun to your head and said. Oh, actually, probably Dream Theater did. That's the concept. They're going to rinse their fans as much money as they can. Well, they're they they they're a fairly big selling band, aren't they? Throughout yeah. their career, they're a multi-million selling band, aren't they? So they yeah. must have done something. I don't want to say it, but something right along the lines. Yeah. But why why did he go to shit with Jordan Rudestin? What influence does he have on the band? You're so you're so dead against him. Um, a lot of clutter. A lot of there was like there was prior to him joining. I don't know if it's if it's true or not, but there just seemed to be a lot of space and a bit of a bit more music. You know, one of the cool things about a solo the is the anticipation for a solo. When yeah, there's a solo that. constantly all the way through, it felt like it was it was like constant. There was literally like solo, 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 solo. It's just like it's a lot of bit of a you know and. Yeah, so so you get to the point where you get a bit numb towards you go, you're like, oh, was it? Oh, you completely missed the solo completely because there was a solo that was before it, and then you know, it's it's I don't, it's um, I think they lost it. I, I it's just clarity. They just needed to just do something. They just needed something to go sort your fucking shit out. <laughs> they sounded more organic previously with Sharinia yeah. before, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Like previous, like he were like Ke Kevin Moore and Derek Sherinian, mm. uh, were they pre and they're very musical. I mean, like they just like they, they don't need to, like they would stop. I think there was points where they were like, Oh, I'm not gonna play, I'm not gonna play keyboards, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna let the song breathe a bit, just saying. And then Jordan would be like, and Get the guitar out and gets an iPad out, goes, like that's like if you, I've seen recent shit of them. I was just like, just stop, just, just, just stop. Oh, I'm tired now. <laughs> but are they, are they one of the biggest though in terms of prog metal bands? So yes. if there was a, if there was a prog metal big four, yeah. Oh, use that analogy. Are they, are, are they at the top of that tree? Are they the Metallica? We'd we, we yeah. say Ice Earth as well. Say, uh, uh, oh, we're not no. allowed to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say Dream. No, Dream. Th I, look, Dream Theater by Country Mile. I reckon they've because they, there's like there's them and then there's everybody else. Like they cut there's yeah, who's the other three? Yeah, I mean, if you're going on prog metal, you'd have to include Opeth in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Devin, Devin Townsend and and Tall. 
Yeah, mm. but the thing about Opus is they're actually good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that au fait with Devon Townsend, but I know a lot of people whose opinion about music matters and they all like it. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to at least be comfortable with his existence. Uh, Dev- Devin so, Townsend is incredible. How, how one man can have such a varied yeah. and complete back catalogue of music is, it almost doesn't seem human. I mean, yeah. he, he is the very word progressive. Yeah. He just, he just, and prolific as well. He just yeah. flits from this to that and says, well, I'm going to bring out an album this year of this, this length and it's going to be on this style and then the next year will be completely different. It's, and he's such a nice dude as well. Yeah, yeah. Bastard. <laughs> but he, yeah. he doesn't hide the fact that it's it's not a particularly organic thing. He, he's always surrounded by laptops and technology. He, he's, he's got no no shame in that whatsoever. It's just that is how he does things. And he produces yeah. incredible music off the back of it. So I saw, you yeah, know, what, sort kind, of, what sort kind of what kind of cars do progressive rock rock, rock bands drive? Is it like a, a, a Volkswagen <laughs> Camper? Would that be like the prog rock car of choice? That might have been prog rock in the seventies. Now it's just going to be something like a Ford Mondeo because prog rock these days is for accountants. I was going to say Dayu or like a is it? Do, do Dyson do like little cars? Dyson, it, they make Hoovers, Wolfman. Uh, oh shit! What's it? <laughs> Smart cars, yeah. <laughs> That's all you could afford after paying out for that. No, no, no. D- Dyson, Dyson is are the prog rock of like home appliances because, like, you know, what's that circular fan they've got? It costs like six hundred quid for a fan. So, like, and they don't fucking work. They're shit. Just we like don't, rock music. I don't own one. I do not own one. But we've like, I've, I've <laughs> yeah, they, they just don't work. There's that long-running joke in there that if um, Porcupine Tree are playing in town, no one's getting their taxes done because all the accountants are in Wembley Arena. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to like you have to be a chartered accountant just to get a ticket. Yeah, yeah. You've got yeah. you've got to calculate you've got to calculate the price of your ticket before you can actually get in. Um, like Lee, you mentioned Tool. Now, Tool obviously a band that cross into alternative metal and alternative rock and, and all that kind of stuff in the nineties and that as well. Um, yeah. I personally find Tool a little bit boring these days. I, I like them, the earlier stuff. It was a little less self-indulgent, but are they a proper prog band? Yeah, I would say they are. I think prog, for me, I, I wasn't too into the 80s prog. And, and Dream Theater I can dip in and out of, but it wasn't until the 90s that I really started getting into it. I mean, I'm going to metal in uh, 87 anyway. I say metal, it was rock at the time. You know, Appetite for Destruction, got into the cheese, got into thrash, and then through that, started getting into death. And then Mr. Bungle came out, and that blew my fucking mind. Uh, and just, yeah, just made me get into this avant-garde, weird, frog. There's no fucking rules. You can do whatever you like, wherever you like, in a song. And, and then things like, well, obviously, death started expanding then into, you know, things like individual thought patterns. Obviously, cynics started coming about. And and then Tool came out sort of from the grudge and the alternate scene, but they were doing something completely different to them. And they started coming out with these songs. And Enema is one of my favourite albums. And they came out with these really lengthy but complex songs like you know, four to a six and and eulogy, and they were just different, and they were so special. And then when Lateralus came out, that was just like the pinnacle. And then they could never follow it up. It's just like they kept trying to repeat that. And like, 
it just became a bit formulaic. Uh, the last album, as much as there are touches in there, which are, are just beautiful, it's just extended sections, which just seem to be extended for the sake of like yeah. longevity. It's just, uh, I was disappointed. We're on the same wavelength and Lateralis was a great album. Saw them live yeah. a few times touring that and they were always really good, but I saw them when they did the album after that, 10,000 days. Is that what yeah, 10,000 days. I mean, it certainly had its moments, but again, you could tell they were just trying to relive past glories. Yeah. Like yeah. even rehashing some of the same riffs, it seemed at some point. But they 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 kind of epitomise, like Wolfman was saying about prog fans, that it's all very territorial and very clicky and you know, if, if you're a tall fan, you've got to be a real tall fan. You've got to know everything about tall. And yeah, it's sort of an elitism as well. It's like, oh, if you don't 100%. like it, because you don't get it. <laughs> well, no, it's not really, is it? It's because I got the earlier stuff, which was better. It's just this stuff's just dull. <laughs> well, never I so I don't, yeah, and I started getting into the heavier sounds of it, the, the cynic and, and death and. Yeah, that's where it's at for me. I love my prog, but I do like it with a touch of rah. <laughs> the thing about Tool, though, is, is I think there can be a bit of a sort of false conflation with complex and, and prog. I don't think a band being complex automatically makes them prog. Mm. Um, for me, I think... That's a fair point. If you take, if you take some of the 70s electronic stuff... Um, artists like Tangerine Dream and even Craftwork, some of the post-Krautrock stuff. Um, Goblin as well, who did a load of horror movie soundtracks. They were considered prog, but they were very sparse at times. They were very, lots of cinematic soundscapes. Um, they weren't complex, but because of how they approached music and they didn't limit themselves and went in different directions and tried, tried different things out and it wasn't accessible, they they can be considered prog and i think some of these bands now you know the the, the gent stuff that, that's come after tool and the sugar i, I think there can be a, a, a false conflation like i say it, it's it doesn't mean they are prog just because they're complex i, I don't think the sugar are prog at all i really don't maybe i haven't listened to enough of their stuff but um we I talk about that we talk about them a lot as, as their prog because of their sound has influenced a lot of lot of things but being really good at polyrhythms that's not prog per se it's what you do with it in the, in the um, course of your album i would say well i think one of the things earlier on i like destroy raise improve uh, there was i think their solos are quite jazzy like the guitar solos yeah, yeah yeah i think frederick thought yeah, Frederick's um, solos are pretty jack like, like they're saxophone esque sort of. Um, but yeah, I can I can but sort it, of see what you go rhythmically. They're very clever. I think the earlier stuff is a lot. I would say a lot more prog. Um, yeah, I think. But I mean, they they I mean they're definitely the Godfathers of Gen because Gen as a genre has that's where it's come from, like that that sort of odd meter, you know craziness so i can't even understand you can't even i mean try and clap along with it that's always <laughs> you know you, you never see people you, yeah you never see people clapping at a fucking sugar concert <laughs> but it's interesting you say about the jazzy solos considering that metal and rock comes from the blues hmm. um but also classical yeah. classical song structures is is jazz weird 
really? Uh, it depends what st- I mean, the bebop stuff and the jazzy. Like, I think I suppose it's. Well, it's a valid point. Never thought of it like that. <laughs> God, I've made you just, made, you just, made, you just made destroyed his whole ethos. <laughs> like, my brain's about to melt. <laughs> well, should we no. should we touch should we touch on Gent there now that it's been mentioned? Because I, I don't really understand what what it is, or and most of the bands that I hear that are considered Gent, um, I just think a you know a load of toss. But that might just be me being old, narrow minded. So, what is it then? What what constitutes a Gent band? It's 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 just the, the sugar guitar sound. That's it. It's nothing particularly deep about it it's just that groove that down downturned groove that the sugar popularized i mean and that's it that's, uh, well, yeah. i mean the the, the 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 actual phrase itself i think was coined by misha manser who is a part of a band called periphery which is one of the like the, yeah. one of the most popular yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll get me coat <laughs> i'm sorry i i have to i have to I listened to Periphery this week. I think I heard him years ago. I wasn't impressed, but I gave him another go this week. Who thought that combining gent metal and boy band vocals was a good idea? They they, they clearly did. Really? Um, Dreadful band. You know what? Who is a massive influence on um, Periphery is actually, is one we need to mention, is Sixth. That's that's a a name I haven't heard for a few years. I mean, I think they're still, they do like little reunions. They're still going, yeah. And their last album was superb. Mm. Yeah. But no, I mean, them, and I've been to, I go to Techfest most years, and it is a mixture of prog metal and tech and gen. Um, and I don't mind a bit of the gen side. That is mainly a sound, and it is tend to mix up that sound and then, you know, the polyrhythms and some great riffs. But then you've got the clean vocals that come in with the chorus. That's normally gruff during the verses and then clean um, during the choruses. And like any genre, if you can call it a genre, I mean, people have jumped on it. So there's some great bands out there, obviously like Tesseract and um, like Animals as Leaders. I'm not a big fan of Periphery either, but you know, they're a lot of love. I, but I was, they all adore Sixth and Linkin Park, and they seem to have combined them two elements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've with the whole gent thing as well, it's like um, one of the bands are well. There's sort of some of them are a little bit sort of shred, like a bit of a resurgence of like the, the like, it's a modern a modern version of shrapnel artists. Um, so you got like Pliny, um, and loads of sort of shreddy sort of guys that that play or it's or have got a synthy wavy sort of. There is some gent bands that got a little bit of synth wave in them as well. Um, but it's just, um, I think the positives out of Gent is that, that their composition, like that a lot of them are very schooled musicians. A lot of them, like, been to Berkeley, been to wherever else, but, the, and they've, but they've used the, the knowledge they've acquired to actually make decent music. Or, be, you know, some of them sound like actually like, because I think the, one of the things I do like about Gent is that the more instrumental stuff like Pliny or you know animals as leaders is yeah. it's it's more like a movie soundtrack i think and that's the other thing about like devon as well i, I think, think that's one cool thing about prog is that you got that grandness about it 
Right. I don't. I don't think. I mean, you made the point about some of these musicians are like they've gone to like music schools, and I don't really think it's fair to hold it against people who have that level of education, training, and insight. And like, it's, oh, you know, you can't, you can't put that on display. And I think progressive music in any in any genre is uh, kind of a sanctuary for people like that because oh, yeah. it's a lot more open ended. But so it's like you know, if 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 you if you've studied something and you've trained in it and you have a passion for it, why not why not put it to use? If you can write a song that's got five different key changes in oh. it, why not? Yeah. Oh you know? no. Oh no. What? No. So what I meant? No. What I mean is actually. Was... No. 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 I'm, I'm adding to what you're saying. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah that, that's that's yeah. it. That, you know. Yeah. Mm. So and it's like um, it would be a reverse snobbery mm. to say, oh no, you sh- that, that's just crap and because it's more a reflection of you than it is of the the band or the music i think it's when it becomes uh too too deliberate as lee said earlier um and you can get lost in it that that's the danger i think that open end that's where i struggle with a lot of these bands though is there's and we've said this so many times on this podcast is there's no songs there's nothing sort of memorable about it. And this this band that you talked about a couple of times on here, this Polyphia, I went and had a listen. And yes, like musically, they're they're incredible. They're very talented. Lorna Shaw are another one. Really talented musicians, but it's just not memorable. I don't get anything from it. Technically proficient, it's wonderful. They're obviously very talented, but it's, well, it's like memorable. It's it's like the idea that you you could have a PhD in a subject, but that doesn't mean to say you can teach it. Yeah. Just because you've got a music degree or you've got a high level of training in music theory doesn't mean that you can write a song that, that other people will like and other people will be able to find accessible. And I think, again, that's the problem with progressive rock. Like, we, we, we talked about, oh, is it when we had the, uh, the, the, the documentary maker on from America and we talked about, like, you know, with death metal, there's, a, there's a, almost a con- of entry to listen to that music but i think it's the same with progressive rock you've yeah. got to put the effort in you've got to sit there and really listen to it it's not music you put on while you're doing the dishes or driving in the car you've got to sit there and really listen to it and try and pick out like what's yeah. going on and interpret it not all music needs cognitive interpretation emotional interpretation yes but th- this requires a degree of um, ability to analyze and you know, it's just like it's like reading Shakespeare. Yeah, it's great, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, etc. But then it's it's when you've got to do it at school and you've got to analyze. The, you find the joke, and you're just like, oh fuck this, you know? It's like I, I mean, just want to read this, it. Give me story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. I mean, when I first listened to Dream Theater, I had to go because I lived in Hayes at the time. And the nearest HMV or music shop was in Ealing Broadway. So I'd have to get on a bus, take me like an hour or so to get there. And I bought, I actually bought images. And that was a song, mate. <laughs> and you got a song in. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I got, well, actually, I was going to say, on the, basically, I, so I went to Ealing Broadway, bought images and words uh, on tape, popped it in my Walkman, then got the bus home. And I think within that time, I managed to be able to listen to the whole album twice over. The first, so I got I got as far as Southall and I was like oh. I got to the end of it I was like oh. I sort of understand it and then got to the, then listen to the last half 
And so by the time I got off the bus, I was a Dream Theater fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, all you need to do then, Trigenza. Take the bus. Jeez, <laughs> I don't. I don't get on well with buses. It took me nearly three hours to get from here to Brighton last week, and there's only it's like, you know, miles. Kit, Kit, Wolfman went up to the you know, the, the bus. The bus just kept on going. Went past his stop. It wouldn't stop. And he like, <laughs> "Can you please let me off?" And the yeah. driver just puts his puts his hand on his leg and goes, "I'm afraid I can't do that." You're on the magic bus. <laughs> By the time I was in Scotland, I was a dream theatre fan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Fucking hell! All right, like, let's 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 bring it into the the sort of modern day. Then, um, what is considered prog metal now? So we, you know, we've 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 been through all of that. But what is prog metal now? So some of the bands have already been mentioned: Rivers of Nile, um, you know, Death. Obviously, going back a little bit, but these bands that have taken that influence and have taken prog rock into a different into a different avenue, I suppose. Um, so like between the buried and me are probably for me the kings of it i would say um and color colors again like say going back to to mastodon colors is one of my all-time favorite albums and seeing them do that album in full at the underworld in 2010 is one of my all-time favorite gigs they do it right they mix everything from death metal to thrash metal to classic rock to pop to grindcore, to jazz, to blues, it's all in that mix, but they make it work. And there's songs, even songs that are 10, 15 minutes long, they're songs. White Walls on Colours, 11 minutes long, but that is a fucking masterpiece of a song, that. It's, the solo at the end of that is just something else. That last two or three minutes is incredible. It, it's, I mean, that album is a very appropriate name because they, it's very elaborate death metal but very vibrant and very colourful and very yeah. expansive. And they go on all these, these tangents on directions and do different things. It's not, they don't limit themselves to one thing, but when they do their little jazzy freakouts and keyboard bits or sort of electronic soundscapes, they, they, they show humility doing it. They don't lose control. They don't show off. It all, it all fits within the vibe yeah. of the music, doesn't it? it yeah. It's never it, going it, off on a random it's, it's, an, it's an additive. And yeah. Not, yeah. not underpinning it and not not basing it around a load of nonsense that just, you know, it's just wankery. Yeah. It sounds like, I think, yeah, it, it's it's basically music that sounds like everyone's, that the band's listening to each other. Yeah. All, all think, bringing different influences yeah. to it, aren't they? You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, when, 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 when everyone in the venue, when they get to that little weird bit where they, yeah. A little bout or, or you know on their on their piano or, or something and everyone in the venue is just going doo, 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 <laughs> at the same time yeah and then they, and they all just and then it all just kicks into a mosh that's it that's not, that's when you know you've got that balance right that's the fear of the dark moment there's some of their stuff that I, I don't like quite as much but certainly when they're at their best they're a very special band I'm, I'm that gig in 2010 was so good. I don't really care if I don't ever see them again because they were that good that night. And because it was in the underworld, it was a tiny little venue. All the whole package was was brilliant. And obviously there was all their classic songs as well thrown into that. They they just do it well. It, it's, but modern prog. So this week I've been listening to. I put a post out on Twitter this week asking for some suggestions of modern prog metal some recommendations of, of things that, you know, I may or may not like, but I'll, I'll give it a go. So a couple just to, to point out, Protest the Hero were one that were 
sort of pushed at me a few times. So I gave them a go. Haken or Haken or yeah. Haken or whatever they're called. They, they're all right, but again, half and half. Yeah. My issue with it, though, I'll tell you what, 1985 is a masterpiece, I think, as a song. Who's that by? That's by Haken. Right, yeah. okay. Well, look, I, I listened to the most recent Haken album. I've given it a few goes. I, I get that this kind of music you do have to, like Padre said, you know, you've got to appreciate it a little bit more. You've got to give it time. But it's the vocals that are really bothering me. The clean vocals in this music. And Protest the Hero suffer from the same problem. I quite liked it musically, but the vocals are just, they're just gutless and wet and whiny. And it just, it just doesn't. Like periphery. Yeah, they're, they're, they're another one. It's that very same thing. Um, but yet, Lee, you, you talked about Boss Kelloid. Oh, Boss Kelloid are amazing. And, that and you works. got them. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that totally works because there's just a, it hasn't got that horrible whiny vocal to it. And you've got that, that sort of sludgy heaviness to it, which just, it just helps it all move along a little bit better. But some of this stuff is just too whiny and too, it's just wet. Yeah. For want of a better word. See, I tend to like bands that, that change their vocals up. So they've normally got a couple of vocalists in and they're heavy when they want, need to be heavy. And, and they're lighter and singier when they, you know, need to go that way. That's one the thing I like about the book and a whole song. It sort of tells a story and then you've got the brutalness, you know, when the story gets angry and then you've got the light uh, coming off of that when it's not. I mean, the, the guy from Haken, Ross, he's, he's a lovely guy. Uh, he's actually in a band called Nirvana uh, and they've got the, the gruff vocals going on with the second vocalist. I think you might like them more. Unfortunately, as I was saying the other day to you, they do have a two-minute hand clap during one of their songs, <laughs> which might put some people off. <laughs> but um, they've got a single album out at the moment, uh, and it's fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in the choir. <laughs> but, um, no, there's there's a bunch of good bands out there at the moment, especially I love the Ocean Collective, and I know you're a, you've seen the Ocean or, or dug the Ocean before. Um, Cyborg Octopus, Lord Dying, I think you'd like them as well. They're a bit opethy and well they're really cool leprous um they are awesome although for me they were more awesome when they began they were um the backing band for um isan and emperor okay originally so they sort of came from there Uh, a lot of their earlier stuff is is more mixed with black metal going into prog and the first few albums for me they were just amazing and it's so much heavier than the stuff they've gone into now you might like the stuff they've gone into now i think and because they've gone a lot more since um but the heavier vocals don't come into it much anymore which is mm. turned me off a bit i mean uh, but, the first few albums brilliant i mean you're selling them to me because you're bringing up the black stuff and for me i think that's where the best prog metal is these days yeah let's talk about let's talk about enslaved I mean, yeah we'll we'll oh. talk a bit more about the new album in a couple <laughs> of weeks when we round up the month but enslaved so below the lights is that that is that is just a, a stunning piece of progressive metal how they went from that early kind of raw viking stuff to below the lights and to where they are now what a fucking jump that was yeah, yeah, see, I wasn't into band. the early stuff at first. It wasn't where I was at at the time. And, and I'm only recently revisiting them now after, you know, loving all the other prog metal that's going about. And 
I'm falling in love. And it's great because I have missed them for so long. I've got a back catalogue to go and explore, which is yeah. exactly it's, what you Yeah, need. they've got a massive back catalogue. An incredible back catalogue. But yeah, and you're right. There's Prog is 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 really well intertwined with black metal at the minute, and it, and it's it's working quite well. But you can go back to like Emperor's Prometheus. Oh well, all all of them. I would well, say. most yeah. To be fair, but, pretty but, much all maybe of them. not the first album so much, but certainly I think I think anthems onwards. Yeah, very prog. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and it all and it fits. And and Lee, like you're saying, I like my progressive music to be heavy. And, and a level of aggression to it because it just then then I don't get bored. I think that's got got a lot to do with it, and that's why I love Between the Buried and Me so much because they do have all that mix. But when it gets heavy, it's really fucking heavy. Yeah. Oh, it's one of my favourite albums in the last couple of years has got to be the work by Rivers and Nihil or Nihil, whatever you call it. I, don't know, I, I do like I do like that. And the juxtaposition between that that first really sort of soothing song and then. Was it a black clockwork comes in and just this crush? <laughs> it's just yeah. yes. That, no, I, yeah. That what, I've, what I've heard of them, I, I I do definitely like. So they're you know they're, they're one that I will uh, I'll listen to a little bit more. Um, is, you know what? There is actually a bit of a trend just just bringing up Rivers of Nile with quite a few sort of genty sort of these sort of newer bands. They love a saxophone. They really love oh, a saxophone. Yeah. It's a yeah. saxophone solo. Oh, like. it's, well, saxophone it's, it's like the new flute, isn't it? It's like the, it's, it's replaced the flute for prog. Well, you get prog. you get a bit of saxophone in Ghost. It's it's um yeah. yeah, it's always been there. Mr. Bungle used it all the yeah. time. So we actually talking to Mr. Bungle. Are, are are they prog or are they just jazz fused thrash hardcore punk death metal? And is what, what that they? not prog? You can you can think of them as prog considering what they did. Yeah. 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 But it's mm, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure, but th- that jazz influence. If, if they're prog, what a Dillinger escape plan. Is that progressive hardcore? They come under math as well, don't they? See, there you go. Math call, that's another one. <laughs> is is that progressive music? Uh. Elements of it, but that's more of a complexity, isn't it? It comes back to the yeah, it's, it's sort of the process. I think you know what would would when I was looking at over the yeah our notes and stuff. I think the genre of or what bands were classed in those particular like prog, it, it's the time as well. I think it's the the time that they came out. Yeah, like say so, so. I think so. The math one would be like Botch, Candira. Dillinger, all those sort of bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You know, I think it's, it's definitely linked to the time rather than the actual, because there, there are sort of quite a few similarities between each sort of sub-genre of each one. So, well, you've got Coheed and Cambria on. I know people don't really like those, but they're still very well regarded. Sort of mm-hmm. in the middle, really, of metal, metal rock and prog. But Again, yeah. vocals. That, that's been Yeah, I, I can see they're in the quiet taste. It's, I think, but I think overall, with a lot of traditional prog metal bands, the vocals have always been a bit of a problem. Well, James Debris is the prime example oh, of that. Yeah, this is the th- yeah. It's like a lot of yeah. I I can't think. I mean, obviously, uh, Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth. Yeah. Stephen Wilson. Stephen Wilson is a not a great singer, but uses what he got. Uses what he's got, and he's a great product. He's 
you know, does great production on his bows. You know, he uses he he sort of yeah. He, but a lot of them, yeah, they it, they go for, they come from that operatic like. I want to say Bruce. I want to say Bruce Dickinson, but, but Bruce Dickinson is his own thing anyway. But it's it's he's come from that. Yeah, they come from that sort of thing, and the, and they don't really quite hit the mark because like yes. I, I would generally say. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Chait and Bruce Dickinson. When you get to that that sort of point, everyone else just sounds, you know. Yeah, yeah, agree sub, with that. Subpar. Yeah. Right, before we, um, I want to round things up at the end of this because of all the prog I've been listening to this week and the bits I've known over the years and stuff like that, I've come up with with two lists. I've come up with my five favorite prog albums because obviously we all know that you know I'm I'm not really with prog at all, but I do have five favorites and i come up with five acceptable ones that i've sort of you know delved into in the last sort of couple of weeks but before i get to that there's something i've noticed in in our communal notes and that's the mention of muse why are they in our notes and why are they part of this episode someone please fill me in and who put that in the notes who's responsible <laughs> <laughs> come on one did I? Put, I don't know if I did. Did I? It wasn't me. I know. I can tell you that. It might have been me. Sorry. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. I mean, so where? So where? Where are? Where are they in prog then? Muse. We know they've I, got proggy elements. I get that. Yeah. But... I mean, I would say because I mean, I saw them at Benicassim a couple of years ago. Where? Oh, it's a, it's a Spanish festival. I was about to say it sounds like a fucking yeah. place. It's, it's like them. their version. It's like their version of Reading. <laughs> with some friends, with my wife and some friends and stuff, and um, yeah, so they played their, they played a couple of hits, and then they went into this full prog like well like lengthy song like some of their newer stuff. I was like, oh, this is. I mean, I think from the, I mean, they were like when they first came out, it was like the most miserable version of Radiohead you've ever heard in your fucking life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. you had Absolution. Origin of Symmetry was next. Yeah. Sorry. And then, yeah, that was a little bit more cheery because I think so, a member of Radiohead told them to cheer up. <laughs> and, thank, and thank fuck they did. Um, then Ab- Absolution, actually, I think that is a prog album. That's a beautiful piece of work. That's a good album, definitely. And I would say that's that, yeah, that was in the ground, like it was. I would say that's a pro, they, they've got heavy, heavy prog influences, and they still do to this day. Like, I think they're, even though they're quite poppy in their delivery or like you know, visually, they're, I mean, I think from a visual perspective as well, actually thinking about it, they've, they've progressed. Like, you know, stage product, I think they're one of the, Barring you two or someone like they've pushed stage production. I mean, they've probably influenced Don't a lot. Don't ever of talk about you two again on this podcast, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Every band I mention is fucking <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. So, what was I saying? Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, they are. I, yeah. I would say they're prog. No, look, I'm, I'm not yeah. really on Muse, to be I, fair. I, I like Muse. And, and yeah, you're right. They, you know, over the years, they have got more and more progressive. And yeah, they're live shows. I haven't seen live since, uh, Muse live since Origin of Symmetry. So a long, yeah. long time. But now I, they are if, huge. Yeah. If you think of uh, the album after um, Absolution, Black Holes and Revelations. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's my favorite Muse album. I think that's a stunning record. That's great album. Yep. You think of that cover. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a that's a prog that's album cover all all along. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but it, you know how that starts again. It's very Tangerine Dream to begin with, and then it goes through a bit of a groove, and then you've got the weird sort of electronic mathematical, the, the almost sort of whimsical classical bit, and you end with Knights of Sidonia, a fucking spaghetti western. Queen. Absolute banger it's, of the song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can definitely think of them as a prog rock band. I do, I do think that, especially where you consider what else they've tried to do in recent in recent years. And um, album artwork, Storm Thorgerson. Yeah. Yeah. So Pink but Floyd. So many of their fans probably don't want to think of them that way because, oh, they're a rock band. Yeah. But, yeah, no, no, I, I think they're prog. Yeah, right. right. Well, there you go. That's the uh, in the abyss seal and approval. Then they are a prog band. Right. So, right then. So which do you want first? My favourite prog albums or... Acceptable prog albums. Go with acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. End in a high. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Look, like I said, my opinions on progressive music are, um, uh, are well known since we've been doing this podcast. So I've struggled this week and my brain hurts. And I'm going to spend the next seven days listening to nothing but Hatebreed and Biohazard and <laughs> Agnostic Front and stuff like that to sort of desensitize myself a little bit. Um, of, of what I've known of over the years and some of the stuff I've been listening to this week, Atheist first album, Unquestionable Presence, I think is that's that's good. I, I enjoyed that. Um, saw Atheist when they reformed at, at VAC, and I think it was 2006 or 2007, and was quite impressed with them back then. I can get on board with that. Obviously, Operation Mind Crime, you know, we all love that, it's a classic. That first Fates Warning album, Awaken the Guardian. It, it, it's, it's, it's quality, I can't... It, is that the one with the terrible cover? No, it's not that one. It's, 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 that was their technically their debut album. This came after it was their first proper oh. debut album. So, right. um, <laughs> Focus by Cynic, I think is... Yeah, that's decent. I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, and Negatron by Voivod. Never been the biggest Voivod fan, but that album does it for me. And and like we've already been saying, it's it's heavy and it's aggressive. And I don't know, it's for some reason, that one particularly works. But everything else by Voivod, either side of that, before and after it, never really, they've never really done it for me. And are they the archetypal progressive thrash band? They've kind of got mm. elements of the two? Yeah, there's definitely elements. I'd go more with the cynic on it, to be honest. But that's just because I'm a bigger fan, I think. <laughs> So when I when I listen to stuff like Cynic and an atheist, I just immediately think of of the the nineties death stuff of Symbolic and, <laughs> and stuff like that. It's they just death did it so much better than those bands. So, but those of some of the shit that I've listened to in the last couple of weeks, those are the, the highlights that I can say. Yeah, I'll probably go back and listen to them, and I'll listen to a little bit more Fate's Warning, a little bit more Atheist, and and I might enjoy it. And Boscoloid. And yeah, well, they're a separate one because I haven't had the real chance to listen to them properly. But yeah, I'm 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 interested. I'm dabbling. I'm interested. It's good. But my favourite prog albums, and one of these we've already talked about, Colours. Like I said, is one of my favourite albums of all time. Anyway, um, incredible piece of work from start to finish. Ghost Reveries by Opeth. I think when you're picking Opeth albums, it's it's hard to pick a favourite. Um, I haven't really listened to a great deal of Opeth in the last 15 years. Yeah, saw they... them last year in Hammersmith, and it's kind of reignited my love for them a little bit. 
I'll tell you what's quite prog. Well, not necessarily prog, but their last album was, I think, didn't he sing it in? It's, there's a Swedish version and there's also yeah. an English version. And an English version, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> That's prog. Yeah. Um, so I've used Ghost Reveries over Black Wall Park. That's 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 an entire episode. See, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very close run thing. It was a very very close run thing. But my favourite Opus song is Bane of the Hounds. Oh, okay. So I think that's that's kind of what pushed it. And I remember seeing them on that tour, and and they were awesome. And supporting them on that tour was Burst. I don't know if if I know some of you are familiar yeah, with Burst, yeah. but. At the time, that was like a perfect package for me. There were two bands that I was massively into. And, you know, Burst have got progressive elements as well. They kind of take hardcore and make it a bit progressive. So um, Galactic Cowboys, Space in Your Face, always be a classic. Oh, that You know, yeah. I, I do love that. Um, Enslaved Below the Lights, which we've already talked about. Um, and a band that we haven't mentioned yet, although you've mentioned Animals the Leaders, Reflux, Illusion of Democracy. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, that's why I thought I'd leave that to the end because we haven't mentioned it yet. And that is a monster of an album. Yeah. You know, it's brutally heavy. It's it's almost frightening at times. It's it's that savage. But I never got on with Animals as Leaders in the same way because I think it's just a bit more self-indulgent, isn't it? Yeah, it was definitely... Because I think, well, that... Because it was... Um when Reflux sort of broke up or that he, he went to the Bassi, the guitar player from uh, went to like music college. And then he come out with his first album, which was produced by Misha Mansour as well. <laughs> That's one of the things he's, yeah, I think his production, like he does a lot of um, produces a lot of bands as well, but um, yeah, I think he did get a lot more experimental. I think he, like the, I think their second album went a bit more even I would say quite jazzy quite fusion but yeah they're, they're always that it's always that fine line where it's just you know if you go that like a little bit too far you just you know it gets a bit self-indulgent they're always a bit dangerous in danger of doing that but I mean overall I think they're great but it's really disappointing the reflux didn't go any further really because yeah you know I mean that album's nearly 20 years ago yeah I think didn't the I think the bass player went off and joined the faceless I, I I don't know I, I don't know the history, but you know I, I don't listen to that album very often. But when I do, it still blows me away even now. Yeah. So yeah, that opening, opening track just literally rips your head off. Yep. Yeah. You, you just don't know where the album's going to go. So, and that was that came out of an era. That's when sort of metalcore was at its strength, wasn't it? And the one of those yeah. bands that got lumped into metalcore, but they're just so far removed from what metalcore was. So, class, what have we learned from this evening? <laughs> See, this is this is exactly my point with, with progressive music. You can stand here for nearly two hours and talk about it and get absolutely fucking nowhere. We haven't yeah. even mentioned we look, we haven't even mentioned Gajira. Oh yeah. You know, um there's a ton of bands, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they're probably the probably the, the, the biggest at the moment, I suppose, in terms of that whole the whole prog metal thing. Um I'm still never not really a fan. See, I like Gajira. I've but you know, it's like we were saying earlier. You were saying earlier that there's like there's no filter. There's no there's no one to say stop. It's like with this fucking episode, just <laughs> <laughs> someone step in and just fucking end it. No, we're not going to end it. We're going to have false endings. We, we don't yeah, know when we, it's going to end. 
Yeah, and it's going to be a part two and a part three as well. Yeah, act two, act three. <laughs> this, this, this is act one, scene one. So, yeah. no, I, I, no, my mind has been opened up a little bit in the last couple of weeks to some of this stuff, but I, I, I will always struggle with with modern progressive music, especially because it does bore me to tears. And that, for me, that's the one thing that progressive music shouldn't do. It shouldn't bore you. When it when it's good, it's good. When it's shit, oh dear lord. Yeah, I would yeah, right. actually. Well, well, I would say one of the best pr- progressive albums that ca- has come out over, over recent years is Stephen Wilson's "Hand Cannot Erase." That is a gorgeous, gorgeous bit of work to what to listen to. You should listen to that. It's all about a woman. It's, I think it's based off a real life thing that this basically this woman died in a in a flat. No. She had friends and family and nobody knew and literally they didn't find her till like three years later. Yeah, that was unpleasant, that story. Well, that sounds like an absolute romp, Dylan. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful record. It's honestly... It it's is, my favorite but you have to be in the mood. <laughs> you have to be in a place for that. I mean, I remember that there was a special edition of the album and there was like original, like they, they, they got original well like not original but like they've done replica original birth certificates and photographs and oh just God. Like, i know it sounds i know that sounds really different. inappropriate considering what it was in its real life and it, to go to that level of detail i don't know i'm a bit yeah that I puts think, me off big time yeah i mean but I, yeah sorry about that i think I've, I've... <laughs> you, you and stephen wilson just need to get a room and get on with it i think yeah yeah I think so. All right, before we before we go, should we let's dumb it down? Do you want a band of the week? Yeah, let's yeah. do a band of the week. So let's, oh, let's wait, some, hang on, let's, hang on. Let's, we yeah, we, gave, we, we gave up with that. That didn't work. Didn't um, right, so this is a band called Blind Oath. So we're going about as far away from progressive music as we can. So they 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 refer to themselves as wretched warriors and devout and devout defenders of the truest faith. And they are from Tulsa, proper Bible Belt America. Wow. Um, they're not a Christian band, for want of a better term. Um, formed in 2018, self-titled debut, debut came out today um, on, on Horton Records. Never heard of them. But it is basically, it's what I would like to consider manly metal. <laughs> it's for your fans of Motorhead, for your fans of Venom, and, you know, Exciter, Horn, Pre, stuff like that. It's, 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 it's short songs, it's riffs, it's solos. Songs about swords and sorcery. It's all that kind of thing. But you know what? It's a, it's a fucking banger of an album. And they, they, they'll they fit in with all that kind of modern new wave of traditional heavy metal stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, go and check them out. I'll put links up on social media this week and, and, and go and check them out. It's very, very cool. Um, Quoting one of their members that what they do is all in the name of the life-saving flame of heavy metal. So how <laughs> profound is that? Is it all? So, uh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll leave you on that. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for your contribution. It's been a You're pleasure. You're most welcome. As progressive as it was. Um, we've got no episode next week because I've got the displeasure of moving house, unfortunately. Uh, so, um, but we'll be back uh, the week after where I think we're celebrating a year of doing this podcast. You say, you say celebrating. Commemorating. <laughs> from the... the but yeah, we've been doing this a year now, so we'll uh, we'll have a look back on some of the old episodes and stuff like that, and uh, and look back on March as well. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Yeah. <laughs>